0: breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness typically in outdoor settings, so they can find a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. That's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of veterans' path, increase attendance at our retreats, so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness, meditation, and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. All right, today my guest is Dot Sheehan. Dot is the founder of President and CEO of Operation Hattrick, a nonprofit organization that supports the recovery of wounded service members and veterans through the sale of Operation Hattrick or OHT branded merchandise, proceeds of which are donated to those organizations that support OHT's mission. And Veterans Path has been a beneficiary of one of these amazingly generous donations. From a simple idea, Dot has created a brand that has grown into a globally recognized multi-million dollar business at retail. Prior to Operation Hattrick, Dot was the Senior Associate of Athletics Director for External Relations at the University of New Hampshire for almost 20 years. She oversaw all areas that affected the external public at the Division I 20 Sport University. Prior to her time in the Athletic Department, Dot was President of Sheehan Sports Marketing a consulting firm that represented professional athletes on the marketing side of their lives. There, she forged partnerships with corporations whose goal was to have their brand partnered with sports. Dot was one of the first female agents in sports and has continued to work with women whose goal is to make sports their career. In in 2012, she was awarded, sorry, the University of New Hampshire Alumni Association Profile of Service Award for contributions made to the university. She also received the 2013 Innovators Award for her vision and work with Operation Hat Trick. She is the first female and the first University of New Hampshire staff member to receive the award. In 2020, DOT was announced as an International Collegiate Licensing Association (ICLA) 2020 Hall of Fame inductee. In 2019, DOT became only the 10th recipient of the multi-decade, old International Collegiate Licensing Association coveted ICLA service award. DOT lives in Hampton, New Hampshire. And we're gonna find out a lot more about DOT, Operation Hattrick, and everything in between. And that's all here on today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is Operation Hattrick founder, DOT Sheehan. Welcome to the dot. Well, <laughs> welcome to the show, Dot.
1: Thank you very much, John.
0: That was quite the intro there.
1: Mm. Thanks
0: for uh, thanks for providing that amazing bio. I'm so uh, so happy to have you with us here today. How are uh, how are things up there in New Hampshire?
1: Well, you know what? I uh, can't complain at all. I have a roof over my head. I have food. I have a daughter who lives next door with her husband and a seven-year-old. And so this seven-year-old is a real blessing. Others are, uh, you know, the other part of the family. My son and his family are in San Diego, but this one, I have him working for me and people say, you have to watch out for child labor laws <laughs> <laughs> The
0: seven year old is working for you.
1: Yeah, he knows yeah. what a payday is. Every Friday, is payday. <laughs> and he amazing. said, I get the same every week, right? I said, oh no, oh no, it's on what you do for work.
0: that's great and they live right next door huh
1: right next door 11 steps so I give myself a a lot of credit that he's put up with his mother-in-law like
0: this.
1: (laughs) but very fortunate to live in a state in this challenge that is is challenged for sure and I live at the beach the ocean is across the street and it's closed which is too bad but I can go over and look at the waves Um, but other than that you know doing the best we can
0: yeah I think that's all we can do right right now is uh it's a It's a wild time that we are all living through, uh, and the best that we can do is all we can do. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're hanging there, and I'm glad you have family uh, close by—eleven steps close by. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, you heard there at the beginning, I was reading your professional bio, um, and you already told us a little bit about your family. I mean, the fact that you have, uh, you know, grandchild next door, and and uh, your your uh, son-in-law and daughter next door. What about you uh, as a person? What else do we want to know about you, Dot? Where'd you grow up? Uh, What was your family and upbringing like? Uh, And then what's your family makeup?
1: Yeah, well, I was uh, born in New York City and my parents are from Brooklyn and the Bronx and I have a sister and uh, somewhere along the line my father was transferred to New England and he chose New Hampshire and my mother thought she'd died. She (laughs) (laughs) She <laughs> was a, from a very Italian neighborhood, a very Italian background, and to move out of a city to New Hampshire at that time, whew, that was very difficult. She didn't work. My father traveled, so she was alone most of the time with two kids, which had to be pretty difficult for her. So lived in New Hampshire uh, from then on in different parts of the state, a uh, good state to grow up in. And, um, you know, we have clean air and we do a lot of the right things. A son of mine has gone to California. He'll never come back. And a daughter of mine actually, you know, decided to stay in New Hampshire. So uh, my father was a diehard Yankees fan. Oh, was he ever a diehard Yankees fan? Even then when the TV, you couldn't get Yankees games, he'd lay on the floor and listen to it. It was all snow and all of that, but he'd listen to it. And my mother was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. So, you know, there were some good arguments in that house.
0: Yeah, and I imagine being close to uh, Boston and, and just in New England, the, with the Boston Red Sox, there's uh, quite the the rivalry there between Boston Red Sox and the Yankees. So how? how uh, How's your house now? Who are you a fan of you know, as far as baseball?
1: My son absolutely in San Diego is a diehard Red Sox fan. Yeah. <laughs> he and his go back and forth. She's a diehard Yankees fan. So they go Wow. I say I'm a fan of both, and people tell me you can't be. You have to be a fan of one or the other. I absolutely love sports. One of the best days of my life is when I got sports channel, right? You know, when I was able. Oh to- yeah. I'll cut back on the grocery bill as long as I can watch sports. <laughs> now I'm dying because there aren't any, but um, I pride myself in having a conversation with my son-in-law who was an athlete uh, on like football. He said, you know more about football than I do. I said, I doubt that's true, but <laughs> I really love sports. And that's part of why there's so much sports involved in operation Hatrick because I, I know it and I've been comfortable around it for a long time. So I work way too much. But in this case of Operation Hattrick, when you see the need, and you know it, John, probably more than I do, the need grows all the time, and we just cannot forget. And we've dedicated Operation Hattrick to Nate Hardy and Mike Koch, two Navy Seals who were killed in 2008. And Nate Hardy is from New Hampshire, and his mother and father worked at the University of New Hampshire, so I know them well. And tragedy has struck that family twice. They lost their family. Done to brain cancer when he was 17 and they lost Nate when he was 29 in Iraq so you just wonder how a family can survive that they have another son Ben who is was great um, but they're the most wonderful people ever so so you know as Steve Hardy says we I owe it to my son I owe it to Mike Koch I owe it to the Navy SEAL community and I owe it to everybody who serves that this organization is transparent we know where every dime goes and we're small and have very few expenses and, but at the same time, able to help the people we need to help. So we're proud to say since 2015, we've donated about $1.7 million. Wow. Yeah. Some of those are, you know, small gifts, small gifts started off at like $500. Now, you know, if it's on average, 10,000, that makes a huge difference in the organizations like yours who need our money.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, when, when we communicated several months back originally, um, you know, we, we told you what we were going to be asking for and, and what we we're uh, planning on doing with it. And, uh, you know, the, the world has changed significantly since then. Um, so uh, I definitely want to get into what operation Hattrick is doing in the COVID 19 pandemic and, uh, and, um, how it is you're communicating with potential, uh recipients of donations and everything i want to get into that but first i want to talk uh, well first actually you mentioned you know obviously your love for sports my sister-in-law is out in san francisco she's in the coast guard and she has an incredible love for sports i mean she she knows sports like nobody i've ever met can quote (laughs) stats uh you know talk about the plays on the on the field like nobody else uh p- plays in football, plays in basketball. She's a big basketball fan. March Madness, not having March Madness absolutely sure, killed her. Yeah. yeah. Uh so at some point I'm gonna have to introduce you two. Uh yeah, so yeah she, I think she would make an amazing sports announcer uh down the down the road. But uh sorry, that uh, little sidetrack there. Um before I get further into the Operation Hat trick and what you guys are doing right now in this pandemic, I wanna go back to you uh, when you were working at Sheehan Sports Marketing and I'm I'm assuming with that name that you either founded it or it's a family business can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: no I founded it you did yeah, I did yes yeah. yeah and I did that because I was working um, at the University of New Hampshire and um, there was a camp there that my son actually went to and the camp was with Robert Parrish um, formerly with the Boston Celtics yes. and, and out in Seattle there for a while. And Clifford Ray, Clifford Ray played for the Golden State Warriors and Clifford was uh, and probably still is Robert's best friend. And there was a company in New Hampshire that did t-shirts and they wanted Robert to endorse their product. Right. So I said, oh, I'll put this deal together. Hmm. Okay. So I did that. And people said, well, wait a minute now. you Because Robert said, I trust her and I want her to do this. I'm like, what? Who, me? Yeah. Okay no clue, really. And so um, somebody said, you have a client, you should develop a business. Most people develop the business and then hope they'll get a client, right? (laughs) And so I did that. And so I worked with, and of course I lived in New Hampshire. So one of my mentors is Tom Sanders, Satch Sanders, who played for, he went to NYU. He played for the Celtics for 14 years. He was a player coach. He was the first black coach at Harvard. Um, And he's got quite a pedigree and he became a mentor and he said she had he either called me Hoss or he called me and never called me Dot. And he said, okay, so if you're going to do this, here are the three things you need to make sure. You need to be seen because you're in New Hampshire and nothing happens there. You can't be careful where you're seen. You could be out of business the next day if you're seen in the wrong place. He said, um, when you go to practice, and excuse my language, but he said, do not wear a skirt halfway up your ass. Because the coach thinks you're trying to distract his players. Now, I was 40 years old at the time. And I'm like, well, good for me, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, and assume that everybody assumes you're sleeping with these guys, because that's what they think. Mm -hmm. They don't see a woman in this business very often. And all of a sudden, you're dealing with 20-year-old kids. Assume that they, and I was so insulted, I almost didn't talk to him ever again, right? Mm-hmm. And he has proven to be right in every single instance. Oh, wow. so, so, so you had to get a uh, tough skin pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, I would put together programs with, them. I remember going to New York and one of the Yankees came in, he was out of state, but came in state. And we did a promotion next, the next day in a retail store. And there was a robbery in the store. Like, can you believe it? So they looked at me, not him, not anybody else. I was the only white person. Around, so they thought I had staged this. So, wow. yeah, it was kind of interesting for a while. I mean, some of the experiences were unbelievable. Nate Newton, I got him a sneaker deal, he was at the Dallas Cowboys at the time um, for the Super Bowl. And they wanted somebody who wore black sneakers. And I said, Look, you can't promote how much you're getting on this. you can't tell too many people. The next day, somebody called me and said, "Did you see the LA Times today?" I'm like, "Oh gosh, the front page of the sports section, I know why. Well, there's this big black sneaker that belongs to Nate Newton, and he's promoting the fact that you got him a deal. I'm like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it was a real learning experience for me, and um, kind of crazy one. You know, you could go forward three steps and you could take ten back because there were drug charges, there were spousal abuse charges, there were all kinds of things, and you'd have to deal with those, right? And ultimately, it could affect the six-figure contract that I was going to get Mm -hmm. my kids' education on my desk. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, it was an interesting time.
0: Yeah, to say the least. What about um, even before that? I mean, you you mentioned it. kind of got into this because your son went to a a camp. Yeah. Uh, what What about yourself? Did you play sports yourself I and mean, were you a collegiate athlete of any sort?
1: That's what's so funny. I try to make up a good story, but no, I don't have one of those. No. <laughs> I, it's so not the, uh, I happened to, uh, for uh, like 20 years of my life, carried a lot of weight. I was a fat kid. I mean, okay. about that. And uh, mm-hmm. luckily that's not the case now, but uh, that impacted my ability to be in sports. And, and but and with two girls in the family, <clears throat> my father had to teach somebody something. So he wanted me to know about football. So he's the one. And my father went to Fordham, and uh, his roommate was Vince Lombardi. Oh, wow. Yeah, way back when. <clears throat> so you say, okay, there's got to be something there. My father loved baseball more than they loved football, but he wanted to teach me about football. So I was the one that he taught some things to. Yeah, neither my sister nor I were athletes, but in that... Listen, I'm old now. So in that day and age, you know, sports weren't what they are now for women. <clears throat> so no, I was not an athlete. <clears throat>
0: but I mean, you still have a pretty wild story of, of how that all well, of that started with, yeah. with your son going to b- basketball camp.
1: Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Robert and Cliff, it was a day camp for Kevin. And he, at lunch, he was pretty uncomfortable in it the first couple of days. He'd come to my office and they would say, that kid is going somewhere, let's follow him. So they'd follow him to my office and they'd come in and they'd sit down like, oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's and, you know, I
1: guess I have some stories that are just as wild. I mean, about you know starting the consulting business and Operation Hattrick has a wild start to it too, seems to be the story of my life.
0: Yeah, so what about Operation Hattrick and the start of that? How did, I mean, I know we talked about Nate and Michael, um, how did you decide operation hat trick was going to be what it is and and how did you actually get started
1: had no clue it would be what it is absolutely <laughs> no clue john if you would told me i would not have believed it <clears throat> um i heard, well actually about 13 years ago my son was very ill and almost lost him and he had uh he had Guillain-Barre and Miller-Fisher neuromuscular diseases. And um, in Arizona, when he was on vacation, had an eight week old baby. And he, <clears throat> it was two, three nights, he got pneumonia. And the doctor said, we don't expect him to live the night. So I made a deal with God, you know, and I said, if, if you let him survive, I'll do something good for somebody. A lot of people, I'll, I'll do some good in this world. And, Luckily, Kevin went to rehab and uh, taught him how to crawl again and walk again and talk again. And and he's well now, and I'm forever, ever, ever thankful for that. And um, shortly after that, I listened to a Boston radio station, and they had a trivia contest every week. And this particular week, it was, what is the one thing head-wounded soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan want the most? And the answer was a baseball cap because it covered wounds and swelling and treatment and bandages. And I was like, can you just get them a hat? I mean, really? So in the middle of the night, I thought, what would you call an organization? And I thought at the university of New Hampshire in New Hampshire, basically we live and die by hockey. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to call it operation hat trick. And then for a while, it wasn't even a business model. It was retailers would buy three hats and only sell two. And the third one we would give away to VA medical centers. And um, then, Notre Dame said, University of Notre Dame said, you really need to bring this national. Not a clue how I would do that. Not even a beginning of a clue. So you needed a national headwear provider. You needed somebody to carry it like bookstores. You needed schools to sign up. And so we, somebody said, well, don't expect too much. Maybe this was in January of of a particular year. Maybe it was 2012. Maybe you'll get 25 schools by June. We had 100 schools in a month. (laughs) Seriously. Wow. Now what are we going to do? So now it's a business model. And it's a business model that no other charity I know does. We build a royalty into everything we sell. So if the headwear by 47, they're our exclusive headwear partner. If the hat is $12 at retail, we get between a dollar 20 and a dollar 44 per hat automatically built into the price that's what it is that's the money we use to donate to organizations like veterans path and um we donate 90 percent of that we have some money you know to run the organization we have donations sure. but it's the royalties that we donate out and that's a lot of dollar 20s and a dollar 44s <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's that's huge i yeah. mean yeah. You, yeah. you you talked about having 100 schools on in the first month. How many are you guys at now?
1: We have over 500 schools. Some are uh, active, some are not. We have um, 21 NHL teams, 15 NBA teams, 80 minor league baseball teams. We're not Major League Baseball or the NFL. The NFL has salute to service, may see that as a competitor. And Major League Baseball does business a little bit differently. So, you know, we'd love to get in with the Red Sox or somebody. But, you know, that remains to be seen. And then we work with companies. Some are a one-shot deal. Some are ongoing. Like, we are partnered with Sig Sauer. They have corporate headquarters here in New Hampshire. Believe it or not, live free or die. That's what we are. And (laughs) uh, we are on their website. And they are very kind to us. And people love our product. So... um, six hours really good for us. And let's face it, our demographic shoots, hunts, and fishes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, ball ball cap wearers.
1: (laughs) Right. So we have, you know, military camouflage, but we're just now starting a partnership with um, Mossy Oak. You know, a guy in the military will say, I love what you do, but I'm not wearing that hat hunting. That's a military hat. I want a hunting hat. So we're really looking to design, develop an outdoor line is what we're trying to do. Uh, And that's part of what we do now during this COVID-19 is plan for that. And who will our licensees be? So we've got about 13 licensees. 47's big. Coliseum out of LA is huge. And they did a uh, salute to service in college with Fanatics last year. Hugely successful. Hugely successful. Nice. It was exposure that we'd never had before, and we're hoping that because we went online in such a significant way, that's going to help us now.
0: Well, congratulations! <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's that's uh, everybody's dream is to is to have something that they create just take off like Operation Hatrick has, and then the fact that you're giving back is uh, is wonderful. So, thank you for what it is you're doing. Um, you know. How d- Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it it is interesting that you say, yeah, we've created a brand is what we've done. And believe in a lot of hard work by a lot of people, our board is just absolutely phenomenal. We're very selective. We put Steve Hardy on our board. Mm -hmm. So There's no nonsense. He's like a pit bull. And he doesn't let us spend much money, which we don't. Uh, I work from the house, don't need to pay overhead. And so our expenses are minimal, you know, we've got a social media person, I have an assistant, but other than that, we really don't have any expenses. So that's how we're gonna be able to survive all this that's going on now. I hear yeah. every day of people who have 14 employees or $700,000 worth of emergency needs they need to fill. And I, I just don't know how they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, very difficult. So, so you know, we've been told that the brand may be worth about $20 million. That makes me fall on the floor. I don't know if that's true. Um, But nevertheless, we have created a brand. A lot of people don't know about it, but when they do, uh, you know, the first time I went to Walter Reed, I've been there six times, I encountered a young man who was 25. He had a wife, he had a five-month-old and a five-year-old, and he was severely depressed. I'm like, you think? He was a triple amputee. He still had shrapnel in his face, and he had been burned. And if you cry, Walter Reed in the workout room, you have to go out in the hall. Well, I spent most of the day in the hall that day. And as I first he had to agree that he'd take a hat. He did. And I handed it to him and he cried and he said, ma'am, you've almost made me feel normal today. Mm. And maybe, just maybe my five-year-old won't be afraid of me when he comes to visit because I'll have this hat on.
0: Yeah. Wow!
1: Stuff you say. So what we've done is combine the love of your country with the love of your school, your team, your company, whatever. Huge combination.
0: Yeah, and and throw in the the love of family. I mean, the the ability to to bond with his child like that because his child wasn't going to be afraid of him. I mean, that's right. yep. that's uh, incredibly powerful. And and to think this all stemmed from <laughs> a radio show that you were listening to and you just happened to hear the, right. the question that they were asking. Well, uh, it's so wild.
1: Aren't you glad you were listening to the radio broadcast today? I, and I said, Aren't you glad who I am? Who I am? How many other people heard the same thing I heard?
0: True. True. You, good who point.
1: About it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This
1: little man at Walter Reed felt so bad for his wife. She was living in the dorm they have another building. It's you know two rooms and and a bathroom, and she could eat in the cafeteria style place downstairs but she said there's no bathtub so i'm bathing this baby Mm -hmm. in the sink oh wow and so she was trying to schedule visiting him in the workout room or wherever he was because he was not well enough to come out of out of his out of a room yet and he was in rehab but he couldn't go with her for sure and um she said it's just very difficult then you have a five-year-old and they basically had no family that was coming to see them So you know, we saw a guy, I think it was that same day, he was young, they were young, they were like 20 and they had a baby. And he was in bed and he had the American flag behind him. And this poor girl was trying, that baby was fussy. So the group that we had, the women said, okay, we're gonna do this. We had a little schedule. And for the next four or five hours, we each took a half hour with that baby. We either changed her diapers, we would feed her, we would roll her up and down in her carriage, up and down, so this woman could spend some private time with her very ill husband. It was like, well, yeah, I guess that's what we need to do today. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you're definitely meeting the call that you'd, or the promise that you had made uh, right. to, to right. serve others, so, right. Uh, right. wow. What a story. Uh, what about um, the, the recipients of your donations how, how do you decide um, who to reach out to and, and then what, uh, what's required for, for, I mean, I know personally uh, being, yeah, being, yeah. being that yeah. I, I, I did go through the process, but for our listeners, somebody who may be working with another veteran service organization, how do they reach out to you and, uh, and get connected?
1: Well, in the beginning, we had to look for people because we weren't well enough known. Believe me, we don't need to look for people now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign of huge success. That's right. And we have challenged the board uh, with finding every year one or two new organizations we can give to. There are some that are staples, and we will probably always give to them because of the work they do. I think of the Travis Mills Foundation and sure. here in, in Northern Maine, right? We were the first ones to give Travis money. We went to Walter Reed and my daughter happened to be with me and I'm up in a room and they come up and they say, Megan is crying downstairs. I'm like, Wait, it's a grown woman. I left her 15 minutes ago. What do you mean she's crying? And they said, this guy downstairs made her cry. So I go downstairs and there she is with Travis, who's laughing like he can't even stand himself, right? And he said, she went to shake my hand and I made my wrist fall on the floor. <laughs> she thought she broke his hand. So she started to cry. Right? <laughs> Oh, my uh, Lord. oh, geez. So at the time, he said, I'm going to have a camp in Maine. And I said, what do you need, Travis? And he said, well, if you come up, I need X, Y, Z. So we packed the car with uh, microwave, hats, fleece blankets, China, you name it, right? And we get there, and that was before he decided to do what he finally did. And uh, he, I said, what do you need? He said, look, we have more guys who want to come here. We need money for another cabin. So we donated enough for this small cabin, right? And he said to me, you know, I really bought the Elizabeth Arden summer property here in Maine because I needed to prove something to you. I said, to me? He said, you gave us legitimate money. You were the first ones to give us legitimate money. We weren't really legitimate then. And I had to prove to you I was legitimate. I said, so you put $4 million into a place to prove to me you were legitimate. (laughs) I said, you're really legitimate now, Travis. And we have an Operation Hattrick Week where we pay for eight families to fly in. And in some cases, you know, the guy, first time on a plane, doesn't want his legs taken off by the TSA, which they require. He's almost, He's not going to come. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come with his wife. He's not going to come with the baby because he just can't get on that plane. So I get a call. We want to put him on a private plane. I said, OK, well, what's the difference in price? And they tell me, and I said, I'll send you a check today. This young man needs to go to see others like him, to see if he has some resilience, to get some, to bond with other guys just like him. So he went, and then the day they, that, you know, the one day they said he was going in a kayak, he almost had the cardiac arrest because he didn't swim. And we're going to put the baby in with you, by the way. And this poor guy, I guess, was just like, he did it. But he did it, and he knew he could do it. He felt so good about himself. So we said, okay, we're going to do a whole week. And we're going to pay for 35 people to go. It's what wow. we'll be able to do, right? So that's somebody that we probably would always give to. We Our goal is to be in every state. We're about in 29 states right now. So we just gave uh, made a donation in the state of Wyoming to uh, Hunting with Heroes. They do big animal hunts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, that works for us. And we hadn't been in Wyoming prior to that. So our board members are looking for organizations. I believe Chip Kelleher on our board is the one who found you.
0: Yeah, sure did. Yep. Uh, Naval Academy, uh, uh, yeah, fellow Naval Academy alumni.
1: Yep, there you go. So, um, so, and then, you know, we get word of mouth. We, we really love the smaller organizations, John. It's not a handout, it's a hand up. Right. So the guy who reached out to me, he's got a 501c3, no board. He just wants advice. So what do you do? He said, I work at Amazon. I said, okay. He said, but I also have a small plane and I've been paying for flights for guys with traumatic brain injuries. And I take them to their doctor's appointments.
0: Like the angel flights.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he is hero flights. And I said, so why are they not going through a commercial airport? He said, number one, the lights will trigger an anxiety attack. Their attention span is very short and they get lost quickly and now they have an anxiety attack and they're afraid they're gonna to have to take off prosthetics if they have them with the TSA and that bothers them in front of everybody of course and right. so they, they simply decide not to go to the doctor so his plane will only go so high and so far but he said um, I need help with flights so this year we provided four or five flights for him And I got a wooden American flag one day from flight 1844. And this veteran who said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone to my doctor. He said, Mm -hmm. you have no idea what this meant for me, for you to provide for this flight and for me to get the medical care I want. So those are a small organization, but those are the kinds of things we like to do because nobody was lining up, giving him money, right? Sure. The big organizations have money. They may do a great job. Uh, but the smaller ones who need that extra kick, we like to help.
0: Beautiful, and and you know, you mentioned that that one individual who said that he wouldn't have gone to his doctor if it weren't for you, and what a huge difference that made in his life. But I mean, what about the second and third order effects? Their family, their friends that you're helping by helping that individual. I mean, right. they I don't know that this particular individual, but maybe he he or she had children or spouse or. Um, who knows the ripple effect and then that you throw in the community that they are a part of as well um, right. where they live but also the veteran community that they're a part of and they are becoming stronger a, a stronger piece of that veteran community so they can help others and it's just that the, the ripple effect is immeasurable what it is you guys are doing there at operation at so uh, well
1: hero flights had a guy who was in the hospital and he couldn't afford to get home for christmas Mm -hmm. and he was due to come back to the hospital in two weeks if he could get home for christmas and he couldn't afford to do it and he wasn't going to go on a commercial flight so hero flights picked him up we paid for it so that he could go home for christmas you talk about extended family he was impacted yeah all were because he couldn't have gotten there otherwise
0: wow wow well um as we've discussed uh, in the past, and and uh, you know, you're know you aware of what we do with Veterans Path, um, for, for our listeners who may be dialing in for the first time, what we do is we introduce vets to mindfulness and meditation to, to deal with either stress injury, moral injury, or some stress that the, the service member may be going through. Perhaps it's with uh, traumatic brain injury as well, something that I, I know you guys are very passionate about. Um, but that, that meditation and mindfulness piece, I'm curious, have you ever personally uh, tried meditation or mindfulness, uh, and if so, how did, you, how did that go?
1: Oh, it's it's like I set you up for that question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something like that, we'll yeah. see. Well,
1: I have a chiropractor who's fabulous, and clearly this whole COVID-19 has made everybody more anxious and stressful, right? Yes. And so she said, I'm starting this mindfulness class, would you like to go into it? I said, Oh,
0: really
1: this? Yeah. She was uh, studying to do that. And the first couple of classes were in person and then it became clear it needed to be online. Right. So I went home and we finished that series. And then she said, I'm going to do it twice a week now. I'm like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in now it's just ended because her practice has been closed. The chiropractor, Um, practice, but she's not allowed to reopen under circumstances now here in New Hampshire soon. So she hopes that she's going to be able to do mindfulness. I've never been somebody who can get into it on my own. So I clearly needed help with that. And some of them are like, you think, where did that thought come from? I haven't thought about that in five years, right? Yeah. Bubbles up to the surface. How do you get into that groove of, I have to do this today, I have to do that today, and just try to forget that. So it's been a really good exercise. I can do it much better by myself now than I could before, but clearly need help. So I think we're all reaching out to her and saying, "Don't let it." She's hoping to do it once a month, but um, I am an absolute fan. I've tried many mindfulness classes, and they haven't really worked for me, but this did. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I mean, I I'd like to invite you to some of the things we're doing in response to COVID nineteen because we're not able to get with our veterans face-to-face and uh, we've actually partnered with, with an online uh, platform called eMindful, which we're going to be doing a five part webinar on via zoom or no, sorry, not via zoom, but uh, via their platform, eMindful. In the, in the coming weeks, it'll be led by myself and then uh, three other veterans that are relating the veteran mindfulness and resilience to what it is the the country is experiencing, the world is experiencing in this time, uh, the COVID nineteen um, isolation and the pandemic. I mean, there's so much uncertainty to it. There's so much uh, alone time, loneliness in it. But at the same time, even though we're social distancing, we're all in this together, and uh, and we want to make sure that we we highlight that, that we're all going through it as a, as a human species together. It's it's an unprecedented time, an unprecedented event. Um, so I'll send you information on that I, if you're I, at I, all I'm curious. Like yeah. That.
1: Well, you know, we know during this time that the stress and anxiety have increased. You know that better than I do. And that puts these guys at greater risk for suicide, even right. greater risk. So Absolutely. We have a member of the Boston Bruins, Kevin Miller, who had a really bad injury a year ago and he hasn't played in a year. And Kevin went to the University of Vermont and the young man flat out gets it, John. He gets it. He loves special ops, he loves the military, loves Navy SEALs, loves everything about it. And um, so I reached out to Kevin. He's been a spokesperson for us for a program that um, the Boston Bruins have done for us in their team shop, right? And so I said, Kevin, I said, we sponsor six warrior ice hockey teams. So we're in Alaska, Minnesota, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, DC, and New Hampshire, Vermont. And what we basically do, we have a corporate partner. We help them with ice time. Ice time is up to $500 an hour.
0: What? Wow.
1: And I say shame on whoever is running that rink that at 10 o'clock at night, you can't give these guys an hour worth of time. Yeah. So it's, it's a struggle, right? And if they don't have ice time, they can't get on the ice. Mm -hmm. They don't get on the ice. There's not that camaraderie. Hockey is one of those sports that brings everybody together. The resilience is better. Minnesota lost two guys this year to suicide from their team. Mm -hmm. A third reached out to his teammates and said, come to my house and get my guns, because I'm really afraid of what I'm going to do. And when they got there, they took the guns. And he said the only reason he didn't commit suicide is he was afraid that he would let his teammates down. Wow. So I said, Kevin, would you put a video together talking about what it's like for you not to have hockey in your life right now? You can associate with those guys are going through, too. You don't have it. What is it doing to you, right? Right. I want you to talk about an injury, physical injury, but an injury you've had for a year, keeping you from the sport you like best. Might be career ending. Yeah. And the kind of resilience and rely on your teammates kind of attitude you had to have. I tell you, John, in two hours, he had a four minute video that was perfect. Nice. Perfect. And we saved it for that population knowing they would share it, which we wanted them to do. But those are the kinds of things we're doing. Quite frankly, that didn't cost us a dime. But we knew that this warrior ice hockey community was going to be really affected by this. So that's what we did.
0: Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, the the camaraderie that a a hockey team is. I mean, really the, the camaraderie of any sports team Right. um is, is pretty powerful and that's something that we're not uh we're not seeing right now right i mean people are not practicing together they're not playing together and that's not just pro sports um like that's my right. i've got, i've got nephews and nieces in in high school that have been that they're, they're seniors they've been playing for 3 years or even more i mean when you play it when you count in uh, all their junior leagues and junior high and everything else but they've been playing for 3 years in high school this is their year to shine and And now uh, they had that season taken away from them and and the impact of that psychologically that they will never have that I mean I know if if I had had that taken away from me i I ran track and cross country ah. and, and my senior year we we did really well, and if I'd had that taken away from me, I don't know where I don't know if I would be where I am today because I feel that that was a huge piece of not only the foundation of who I ended up becoming but also it helped to develop that camaraderie and that community. And I knew, I, I knew that I had brothers and sisters that I could lean on if I had, uh, you know, issues or problems that I wanted to talk about in in, in high school, right? Um, and I still lean back on those friends and, mm-hmm. and I count them as, as family almost now to this day. But you take that senior year out, would that be the same? Uh, um, so, you, you know. To the- Toronto? I was yeah I, I ran uh, ran the 2 mile in track and uh, and then ran cross country and then also ran the uh, the 4 by 800 meter relay.
1: Oh, that's brutal.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> My daughter was a sprinter. Oh yeah. So she would run the 55. She'd run the 4 by 1. She she hated the 200. I have a grandson who loved the 800. Like what? Are you kidding me? The 800. The
0: oh. 800 is brutal. I mean, it's a it's a long distance sprint.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh Yeah, my son-in-law was the captain of the throwers. Oh yeah. So I can't even lift the hammer.
0: <laughs> was, woo,
1: yeah. That thing. Yeah. And was tight end on the football team he's a big boy, like six. Yeah. Miles. 2.30 and stuff like that. So yeah, track is, and so much of track depends on your own personal.
0: It does. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure does.
1: Right. Interesting.
0: So, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, psychological play in that too. I mean, not just in track, <laughs> yeah. but but on, on all, again, all sports teams, but visualization uh, prior to the race, um, the, the strategy and tactics in the race, uh, a lot of people look at running and they're like, oh, there's no strategy and tactics. And there are absolutely so.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, coming probably to the, the end of the, the interview here, Dot, what have we not spoken about that you'd like to make sure our listeners hear?
1: Well, I'd like listeners to know we're here to stay, either by some luck. I'd like to think a little genius. <laughs> uh, we, have, we have donated more this year, we'll have a year, fiscal year. Um, and so those proposals that are sitting on our desk right now, uh, we are um, going to push them to FY21 and hopefully help them out in FY21. But we've made some good decisions about, you know, putting money in reserve. And when somebody would say to me, maybe you have too much money in reserve, you don't want to sit on too much money. But I've said for the last three or four years, what if retail, the bottom falls out of retail? Ding, yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. that's how we make our living i'm not sure if it's better to be here now or relying on individual donations i guess where we are right now but we've made some money um you know we've been very careful with our money and we can as of today survive two years without any revenue
0: wow yeah you are a rarity in that case yes, i'm yes, sure
1: yes absolutely um, a rarity and we want to help as many people as we can but we need to do things to protect It can be able to give to people like you. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it's on hold, but I'll tell you, this recovery plan or people we talk to every day is pretty exciting if we can ever get there again.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll never get back to where we were, but I think we'll get back to uh, a a new normal. And uh, and that's, uh, there's going to be pluses and minuses to it. I think we're going to be more resilient as a, as a country and as human humans, uh, but yeah, there's definitely uh, going to be some things that we'll look back on and miss. I don't know if a handshake's ever going to be a thing anymore. We'll see. Oh, yeah,
1: no a hug for sure. No, no, <laughs> no. So tell me, you're in the Naval Academy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, now, when did you graduate? If you don't mind.
0: I graduated in 2001, uh, and then uh, and then went out to uh, Coronado for SEAL training.
1: Okay. Did you live on Cawthon?
0: John Coffin.
1: Yeah, C A U T H E N. He graduated in two thousand. Uh,
0: the name rings a bell. Uh, I probably do know him, but it, uh, my bell has been rung too, so my memory <laughs> is not what it is not what it used to be. So I'll have to go back and look at uh, look at the old um, yearbooks, or uh, I don't even remember what our yearbooks were called—the handbook or something. Uh, I forget. But uh, That's- all my naval academy listeners are going to listen, and they're going to be like, "Did you really go to the naval academy? You don't yeah, even no, know." Where? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that's my daughter-in-law's brother.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we I'm sure we know one another some in some form or fashion and cross paths. So, right.
1: yeah, small world.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, Dot, that's been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Thank so you nice. so much for what you and Operation Hat Trick are doing. Uh, it really is making making a difference in in so many people's lives uh some of our veterans specifically with veterans path you're you're going to uh, be making a huge difference there so thank you for that thank you for the donations outside of veterans path to other veterans service organizations
1: and i made uh, a promise and i'm making good on it and steve hardy says nate and mike would be extremely proud
0: oh absolutely they would and and i'm i'm glad to be associated with uh with you guys and and steve and uh and i i knew nate i didn't know michael uh personally but I knew Nate um, and we'd done, done some training together when he was at SEAL Team 8 um, so great guy and and a great family for sure so for
1: sure for sure yeah. well thank you so much for having me and send me that mindfulness stuff I needed every I day I will
0: yeah I'll send you that to that. you and uh, and I think I'm going to broker an intro between you and my my uh, sister-in-law as well so There
1: you go okay we can talk basketball <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well well, dot um if, uh, if people did want to reach out to you personally, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, yeah, they can email me at dot at operationhattrick.org.
0: All right, perfect okay. dot at operationhattrick.org, right? Correct. All right, easy enough. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, yeah, Dot, until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy.
1: OK, thanks, John.
0: All right, take care. Bye. For our listeners, thanks for listening to our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We, too, are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and family. And remember, listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.